Welcome to episode 95 of the Experiencing His Victory audio blog with Terry Tinder. This is the place where I read the blog, so you don't have to. Today I'll be reading, What Does a Believer Have Authority Over? Part 3. From experiencinghisvictory.com, where we're pursuing life as God intends it to be. Heal the Sick It's very clear that God has called his followers to heal the sick. There's absolutely no way that we can get around the plain fact of this commission, but some try to. They'll tell you that healing was only for the times of the apostles or the time before the New Testament was written, but where is that in the Bible? It's clear that God gave authority to his disciples, including us, to go out and heal the sick. We must pray for the sick. It's up to us to believe the word of God and act upon it. I do know this, that if we don't pray for people to be healed, we won't see people healed. I also know this, if we pray and question whether or not it's the will of God to heal, we won't see people healed. We live in a culture that's focused on the scientific It's hard for many to believe in the miraculous. It's claimed that the miracles of Jesus and the disciples were only psychosomatic and not truly miracles. The writers of the Gospels and Acts added the miracle aspect to strengthen their claims about Jesus. I want to call us to believe God for healing. He is our healer. Jesus bore our sickness and our sorrows on the cross. Healing comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every member of the Trinity is involved in healing the sick. I've read many stories of those who struggled to enter into the ministry of healing. Time after time, I hear about them praying for the sick for long periods of time before seeing any major breakthrough in the area of healing. We sometimes use examples of our own prayers that did not work to prove that healing isn't for today. John Wimber read the Bible and saw that there was healing in it. He wanted to be a part of healing. So he started teaching healing every Sunday evening and he prayed for the sick. He preached and he prayed for two years and no one was healed. John said that he was catching the things that he was praying against. He would pray for a person with the flu and he'd get the flu. He'd pray for migraines and get a migraine. It was ridiculous. He taught and prayed 104 Sunday nights with no results. Then the healings started to happen. Chris Gore is from Bethel Church, and he oversees the healing room ministry of 2,000 people and the healing ministry of the church with 3,000 people. He estimates that he prayed for 1,000 people before he saw a healing breakthrough. I remember Chris saying in a teaching that he told the Lord that he wanted to see more people healed. The Lord answered him and said, well, then pray for more people. I want to encourage you to begin to believe that God wants to heal the sick. I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to use you to touch the lives of other people. I want to encourage you to look for those who need prayer and ask them if they would like prayer. We must continue no matter what. I know it can be intimidating, 
but I want to press into all that the Lord has for my lives and the lives of those I come in contact with. I have many stories of failure and many stories of victory. I once received a call from a woman from a four-square church in Washington. Her brother was in the hospital in a coma. She was wondering if I could go up and pray for him. I said yes. All the way to the hospital I prayed, Oh God, oh God, oh God, this person's on the brink of death. All of his organs were shutting down and the doctors say that he has a very short time to live. I know that there's nothing I could do in my own strength. Help. I walked into the room. The man was covered with tubes and on a breathing machine. He was unconscious, so I just spoke these words. Spirit of death, I command you to leave this man in the name of Jesus. Then I left. A short time later, I learned that this woman's brother had died. Not much there to build up your confidence. A short time later, I got a call from a friend. He said his grandpa was traveling and there was a car accident. He said that all of his organs were shutting down and the doctors say that he won't live very long. All the way to the hospital, I prayed, Oh God, oh God, oh God. My prayer is always the same. I know that I need his help. I walked into the room. This time his wife was with him. I talked with her for a time and we prayed. I said the exact same prayer I prayed earlier. I commanded the spirit of death to leave in the name of Jesus. I saw no immediate change and left. I received a call the next day from my friend. He said his grandpa was fine and they had already released him. I liked those results a lot better. I'm faced with a choice every time I pray for a sick person. Will I believe God? I believe that Jesus Christ died to bring healing to every part of a person's life. That includes physical healing. I must step out in faith and pray. The more I press into praying for the sick and believing God for healing, the more I see. I don't know why everyone I pray for isn't healed, it's, it's not like I pray differently for people. Most of the time, I have absolutely no feeling of special power or anointing. I must look to the Word of God and seek to have that be my standard for my faith and not my own experience. If I leave it to my own experience, I would never be touched by the Lord in any area of my life. The Word of God proclaims God heals the sick, and I'm going to contend for it with all my heart. I want to encourage you to believe God. Read the Gospels and the book of Acts over and over again. Stop at each story that talks about healing and see what took place. What sickness or infirmity did the person have? What part did they have in the healing? What part did the one praying play? Did they pray, lay hands on, or command? What were the results? Ask God to help you understand the authority he has given you to heal the sick and start praying for the sick. Cast out demons, all authority. In part one of this post, I mentioned several scriptures where Jesus gave the disciples authority to cast out demons. I'd like to repeat Luke 9.1 because it gives us the most complete picture of our authority over the demonic realm. Luke says, 
And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. I want you to pay close attention to the word all in this verse. You have authority over all demons. In other words, there's no demonic force at work in your life that you don't have authority over. I hear far too many Christians give wonderful testimonies about what the Lord has done in their lives and then end up saying something like this, Every time God does something good, the devil gets mad and wants to get back at me. They actually expect the devil to come and do something in their lives in retaliation to God's goodness. If that were true, then why would you want to receive a blessing from God? It'll only bring an attack from the devil. I personally believe that this kind of thinking and confession opens doors for the enemy to come and wreak havoc in a believer's life. We expect the enemy to come and he obliges us by coming. Here's an example. Ah, praise God, I just received 500 bucks unexpectedly in the mail. I guess something's going to break. God wants to bless us more than we know. We don't have to be fearful of reprisals every time we receive a blessing. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Did you notice that Jesus gave them authority over all the power of the enemy? That means you don't have to put up with his attacks on you or your family. You have authority to resist his works in your life. You've been removed from the kingdom of darkness and you're now part of the kingdom of God. You're a child of God with authority to stand against the works of the enemy. It is recognizing this authority and using the weapons supplied by God that will allow you to resist the devil and send him fleeing. James tells us to submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. James 4.7 Resistance is definitely not a passive response to the devil. The word means to resist by actively opposing pressure or power. We stand up to the enemy in the authority and power of Jesus' name. James says that the devil will flee when he's resisted. He can't stay. The word flee has a fun connotation when applied to the enemy. It means to move quickly from a point or an area in order to avoid presumed danger or difficulty. Get the picture in your mind? When you stand up to the devil, he puts his tail between his legs, figuratively speaking, and runs away from you. Of course, that doesn't mean that we get arrogant and think we're awesome. It's all because of Jesus. Try commanding a demon to go without authority can cause a scene like that experienced by the seven sons of Sceva when a man with a demon beat them up. They were the ones who were fleeing from the demon naked and wounded. See Acts 19 verses 11 through 20. We must never take the authority we have for granted. Never hunt for demons. Another piece of advice is to never hunt for demons. Some people put too much emphasis on the devil. They see the devil behind every event and every shortcoming in their lives. I've been involved in deliverance ministry for over 21 years. I can tell you that I never go hunting for demons. 
They're not my focus. With that said, there are times when the Lord's presence in me causes a demon to manifest. If this happens, I simply command it to come out. I figure if the Spirit is out in the open and manifesting in a person, then the Lord wants them to be free from the oppression of the demon. There are times, though, when the Lord gives me the gift of discernment, and I sense or I recognize the presence of a demon. Many times when this happens, I know what kind of spirit it is and that the Lord wants to get rid of it from the person's life. Fixing our eyes on the devil takes our eyes off of Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race set before us. If, as we're looking at Jesus, the devil pops up or the Lord shows us where he's at work, then we simply exercise our authority and continue to look for Jesus. Next week, we'll look at the last thing that Jesus spoke about when he gave us authority, raising the dead. See you then. Hey, are you looking for a community of believers who are longing for all that God has available and are pursuing him with a passion? Do you want to have insights into the invisible barriers that are standing in the way of your spiritual growth? What steps you can take to gain the freedom and healing you desire? A library of resources that focus on the practical aspects of healing and deliverance. Monthly live training and Q&A sessions. Video courses focusing on specific areas of healing and deliverance. Encouragement and support in your walk with Christ. Then I want to encourage you to head over to the Experiencing His Victory Academy. It's our three-tiered membership site that includes both free and paid memberships. In the Academy, you'll find a premium course called Healing Your Broken Heart. And what it does is it takes you through the steps of how to heal the wounds in your heart. I'm also adding new videos each week for a couple of courses. The first one's called 30 Days to Knowing Who You Are in Christ where we study what the Bible says about who you are when you come to Christ. And the second one is 24 Forgiveness Myths Busted. There's such an incorrect understanding of what it truly means to forgive, and I want to bust some of the myths that get in the way of you receiving the healing that Christ purchased for you. So for more information, Go to experiencinghisvictory.com forward slash academy. That's experiencinghisvictory.com forward slash academy, where we're pursuing life as God intends it to be.